This is the We Are Her podcast for survivors of abuse or assault to share their stories. I'm your host, Emily Kemp, and I'll be having a conversation with a different survivor each week. I want to be sure to include a strong trigger warning with this podcast. The content we discuss includes topics related to violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to the podcast because you have been on before and so I'll let you introduce yourself. Who are you? Hi, uh, my name is Bella. I was on season one and I am back. You're back. And um, yeah, and I just I'm so grateful that um, yeah, you're willing to come back on on the podcast and I think it's a really cool opportunity to check in with a survivor who obviously has a very special connection with CV. Um, and you and I have become, you know, closer and gotten to know each other over the oh, years. Yeah, you're my friend. What up? And so it's really, it's, it's really nice to have you on the podcast. And I think it's really special. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And it's cool because we don't always get an opportunity to follow up with people who've been on the podcast before and kind of like check in and see how they're doing. So here we are. This is this is a really cool, a cool opportunity that we're in. Um, so I guess we were kind of talking before, you know, the podcast started recording and trying to get our timeline together because a lot has happened in the last year plus. Yeah, I've had a crazy year. Yes, you have. And so I think the last time we we're on the podcast together. It was, I think you recorded, you said in March, right? I think it was February. end of March. Yeah. Okay. Of 2019. Yeah. Um, so t- talk to me about what has happened since then for you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So um, after recording the podcast um, and kind of listening to it back, I realized how severe of a situation that I was in. Um, You know, I had kind of told myself a lot of times, it's in your head, you're making too much out of it. Um, If something bad was going to happen, it would have happened already, even though statistically, most survivors, the year after they've left their abusers, they're in the most risk for harm. And Right. And when we had, when we had like wrapped up your episode, you were like, I feel amazing that I left, but I'm still scared. Right. And listening to that back and listening to, you know, the fear that I had of him just, you know, living in a smaller town with him and him as a person, it was scary. And, you know, listening to it, I was like, this situation is scary. It's a real situation and you need to do something to protect yourself. So I talked to Stevie because in the past she had gotten an order of protection against Adam and I decided that it was time for me to do the same. And so I filed the paperwork. I got a court date. I went to court on April 8th, I believe. And Stevie came with me, which was amazing. She was so supportive, so helpful. You know, I had 
my best friends with me. I had my dad with me. And I got in front of the judge. I talked about, you know, the things that I had been witnessing since I left Adam, the things that had been affecting me. And I got a order of protection in place. And then the judge told me and Stevie that we could still press charges against Adam, which was something that I didn't even know was possible. I thought like, you know, I didn't do it while we were still together. I didn't do it right after it happened. What's the point kind of thing? Um, Right. I know, I know Stevie didn't know that that was an option either. So it's like, what? (laughs) Right. I thought, you know, like, unless I had called the cops 30 seconds after something had happened, it wasn't valid anymore, Mm. Um, which is not true. You, I, I mean, I don't know every state's laws on statute of limitations, but you can still press charges against your ex after you have left them. And so me and Stevie decided to go to the police station and report Adam for a few different things that he had done to each of us. Um, And he had ended up getting, he got arrested and was in jail for, I think about two months. Yeah. Yeah. And he got arrested like very quickly after you both reported. My kind of thought thought process on it was, I want to have it documented. So if, you know, he ends up assaulting me again, ends up stalking me more, ends up, you know, killing me, there's a paper trail of the fact that, you know, I was scared of him. I was in like in danger of him. I thought that he was capable of a lot of things. Right. And I think, um, I think, well, first of all, like kudos, that's, an amazingly brave step that you took. And I think a lot of survivors kind of think along those same lines. Um, But a lot of times, like if you don't report, and this is just, you know, it's a backward system, right? But like, if you don't report, and then something happens that eventually you end up in court with this person, you know, the defense will say stuff like, well, why didn't you ever report? You must not have been afraid enough of this person to actually like call the police or make a report. So it's kind of a double-edged sword for survivors. Like, you know, it really is, you know, and it, it's hard when you are in a, a situation like that, you know, something that my ex used to say to me all the time was if you call the police and I go to jail, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself and it's going to be your fault. And he had a friend that actually had killed himself in jail over some drug charges. And he said, you know, he did it. I can do it. Do you want to live with that? And I thought that he would for a very long time. I thought, you know, if I did report him, he would end up killing himself. And that would be on my conscience for the rest of my life. You know, I was scared of him. I had a lot of anger towards him, but I've never once wanted him to be dead. You know, like, I don't want him to kill himself because of me. You know, I you can have a lot of anger and resentment towards somebody and still be scared that they're going to end up hurting themselves because of you. And that's a really scary situation to be in because who isn't going to blame themselves in that situation? And this is somebody that I loved, like somebody that I had loved for five years at this point. Right. And that's a lot. I mean, what do you do? You're stuck. You know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't at that point. Exactly. And it's just like, you know, textbook manipulation at that point.
but it feels very real um, it does. in the moment. Yeah. Especially when, you know, some of the instances that he, that had happened that I reported to the police were when I was 17, 18. Like, I was very young and I idolized this person. Like, he was my god. I worshipped him. Like, I did not want to disappoint him. Even when he was abusing me, I still loved him. And it's hard to think about, like, when you're that young and you are so sheltered in your life, to think about the fact that this person could kill you or kill themselves because you're reaching out for help in a situation. Right. And most people in that situation, they're not looking for vengeance. They just want to be safe. Um, and, and you acquired some level of safety, but, at, you know, you were also still very justifiably afraid that something could happen. Uh, it still doesn't mean you're like out for blood. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so for me in this, one of the situations when it was really scary, the first instance that he got really violent with me, I moved, I moved to New York and that was my way of trying to protect myself. Like I had thought about at the time reporting it to the police. I thought about trying to go that route, but I thought that the better route would be to separate myself from the situation. And that was something that they used against me in court um, by not reporting it. They were like, oh, if it was this bad, then why did you just leave? Why didn't you report it? And I was like, well, I left because it was this bad. I moved across the country. I I moved, like, God, how many states are in between Montana and New York? A lot. A lot of states. Like, it's a long ways to go because you're scared of somebody. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so you, you know, he was arrested. So that's, you and Stevie were, like, such badasses, I have to say, like, I I remember her kind of like keeping me up to date and in the loop about the reporting. And then all of a sudden she texts me and was like, Bella just called me. He's in jail. And I was like, what? <laughs> that happened so fast. It was crazy because I thought by reporting it, they would take it down in a little notebook, file it away in some computer. Nothing would ever happen. But in the off chance that he ended up murdering me, they would be able to use it in my trial. And that was my thought process at the time, which now I look back and I'm like, that is so sad that you thought the best case scenario out of this outcome would that they could use your words in your own murder trial. That's dark. Um, It's dark. dark. And that's how I felt at the time. You know, I didn't see, I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. I thought, you know, this is probably my only way out of this situation is if he does something this drastic. Um, and thankfully, thankfully, he never had the opportunity to. Um, when they arrested him, they searched his house. Um, and this is how, this was when I had already had an order of protection and they found multiple guns in his house. Um, and when I heard that, I started sobbing, um, It was so scary to me because he is not a hunter. He does not sport shoot. He does not shoot for fun. Um, He had guns for one reason. And the fact that they found, I think it was like five or six different guns in his house. 
when my order of protection specifically stated that he was not allowed to own any firearms. Right. So legally, he wasn't supposed to have them. He was not federally legally. He was not allowed to own any guns because he had used guns against me in a violent way before. Um, And so when I heard that, I was, I just started crying. Like I was so scared and like so thankful almost that he was like away. Like he was in jail. He couldn't hurt me. Like I finally for the first time in five years felt safe because even when I got the order of protection, I was like, it's a piece of paper. Like it, it's great to have. I think for a lot of survivors, it probably provides a lot of feeling of safety. But to me, I was like, Adam doesn't respect the law. He's never respected the law. He's had orders of protection against him before. And he clearly didn't respect those ones. He didn't abide by it at all. And I'm no different. He's not going to like decide to listen to a judge this time. And just the fact that he owned so many guns really validated that feeling of like, this is somebody that I actually have a lot of reason to feel very scared of. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that you were living in the community and like having to look over your shoulder at all times, which is an incredibly stressful way to live. Like that's not how anybody should live. That's nobody deserves to have to live in that. No, I, I mean, I think so many survivors do live in that fear all the time and it is so scary. There were so many occasions where I'd go to the grocery store, go to the gas station, see a car that maybe looked like his, and I would just immediately turn around. I stopped going out to shows. I stopped, like, I stopped living my life. And, you know, he, his work was close to my apartment, and he would sit outside the gas station that was, like, the entryway to my apartment complex for hours. Like hours on end, he would just sit there in his car waiting to see where I was going. And I felt like I couldn't even leave my apartment without the fear of him following me somewhere or hurting somebody else that I was with. It was terrifying. And then he was and then he was actually in jail, which is wild. And I, I think, you know, I talked to both you and Stevie, checked in with you both and I think you both kind of express some similar sentiments of like, I don't know how to feel, but I do feel weirdly like for the first time, (laughs) you know, since I left him, like he's actually locked up like behind bars. There's no way he can just escape and come get me, you know? Right. And my life changed so drastically, even within the first week of him Mm. being in jail. Like I would like go for walks and be like, oh my God, like, look at the sun shining, look at the green grass, like, look at the flowers, like, it is a beautiful world to live in. (laughs) And for the first time, I wasn't terrified that I was gonna have a bullet in the back of my head. Right. And And like, slide into him around any corner. Yeah. You know, at first, I felt really guilty. Like, Mm. 
when I, even when I talked to the detective who was amazing, the detective that helped me with my case was how I hope every detective is with any victim out there. He was like, I am so thankful for him. Um, But he, I even said to him, like, I'm really scared of what can happen by me sharing my story. And he said, like, you know, I want to put this guy away. I want him behind bars. And I was like, wait, he can go to jail for this? And the detective's like, yeah, this is multiple felonies. Mm. And that was the first time I realized the severity of everything. Um, I knew what Adam had done was bad. And I knew that it was serious but he had also told me for five years that I was making something out of nothing. And I believed him, you know, I thought like, clearly it's not as bad as I think it is. I'm being crazy. I'm turning this into something that it's not. Um, That wasn't ever the case. And the detective really helped me see that I was doing the right thing. Mm. Um, And so to hear that from law enforcement, I mean, I, guess so but I just want to clarify like was that a really validating moment for you it was um and it was also just like he was so kind to me he'd call me a few times a week to check in with me see how I was doing um he was seriously amazing and he helped me feel like my voice was actually heard um and I appreciated him so much and that made the process a lot easier. But I also was really scared that Adam was going to kill himself in jail. And so for the first few weeks, I was like almost waiting for that phone call. Like I was happy. I felt like free. I felt like I could do things. I feel like I could go out with my friends without putting them in danger. But I also would have nightmares of getting a phone call and somebody telling me that Adam was dead, which is something that I never wanted. Um, There were times, you know, where I'd be so mad at him and so angry where I'd be like, God, I wish you were dead. But in, in reality, like, that's never what I wanted. I just wanted to feel safe and have somebody that loved me, Um, which were two things that he could never provide. Um, it was scary for a while because um, I kept thinking that I was going to get that phone call. And then as he was in jail, I stopped thinking about him a lot. Um, I stopped. He was there, like you said, for like six months. So yeah. That's so a long time. It was. And it was, you know, before he'd gotten arrested, probably like maybe a or before I'd gotten the restraining order, I should say, maybe like a week before I got the restraining order. He was still calling me and still texting me, still calling friends of mine, still texting friends of mine. Um, Like, I remember one day I was at a coffee shop with two of my friends. It was like International Women's Day and we all went out for tea and we were like, hell yeah, we're like badass motherfuckers. Like, just having a great time. And one of my friends' phones started ringing and she was like, oh my God, Adam's calling me. And I was like what? And she answered, which was fine with me, you know? And she was like, 
why are you calling me? And he was like, are you at the coffee shop with Bella right now? And he was, she was like, how do you know that? Like, are you watching me? Are you watching her? Like, you need to like, stop. And I don't even like, remember, like somehow the conversation ended. But it was just like that feeling that I couldn't do anything without him knowing about it without him trying to worm his way in and when he got arrested it was the first time I didn't have to worry about that like I didn't have to worry about him bothering me I didn't have to worry about him bothering my friends I didn't have to worry about parking two blocks away from wherever I was actually going so he wouldn't know where I was um and I kind of just for the first time started to actually heal I started to think about him less. I started to do things that made me happy. Started to like live my life. And it was going really great for a long time. But um, then he got a plea deal. Um, So they dropped some of the felonies down. And he pleaded guilty to... A felony count of criminal endangerment um and that was really hard mostly because not justice it it wasn't but you know it was one of those things where I never went into it thinking that he was going to get 60 years to life I didn't right. think he'd serve any time at all um I thought that they maybe would talk to him, tell him, hey, you really need to leave this person alone um, and something like that. I I didn't ever think he would even be arrested. And so he pled guilty to criminal endangerment and admitted to I don't I don't even remember what he said, something along the lines of like sexual assault without him knowing that he was sexually assaulting me or something like that. Like, sure, admission of guilt, kind of, not really, but, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the instance he pled guilty to was regarding um, the instance that happened before I moved to New York when he raped me. And to hear him for the first time in my life admit that he had done anything wrong at all was something that I never in a million years thought that I would hear. Yeah. Um, And it was really hard. Like, I remember being in the courtroom and holding my friend's hand and holding my dad's hand and just sobbing. Like, it was so hard to hear him admit to what he had did even if it was a bullshit admission. Um, But the fact that he even at all acknowledged that he had caused me mental harm by that was something I never thought that I would ever hear. And I don't think most survivors will ever hear their abuser admit to something like that. Um, It's a big moment. It was a huge moment. Um, 
I don't really have words even to describe it. Like, part of me felt like, you know, I can move on now. Like, he has admitted it, which really doesn't mean a whole lot. But to me at the time, it meant, like, I'm not crazy. Like, if It's some closure. It's some validation. Exactly. And, you know... Having him stand there and saying, like, I did this was something I never expected to hear. And it really validated the fact that, like, that actually happened. Like, that wasn't something that I imagined. It wasn't something that he said I exaggerated or lied about or created in my own head. Like, he admitted to doing it, which he can never take back that, that he played guilty. Like, he pled guilty to that, which is a felony. And now that is on the record. He is a felon for the rest of his yeah. life. And I now have the validation that he admitted that. And now I can kind of let it go. Like yeah. it happened, fucking sucked. Like probably one of the worst experiences of my life. And it's over now. Mm. I can and he's out of the state now right yeah and so part of his plea deal was I got a me and Stevie both got lifelong orders of protection so as long as we're both alive he could never come near us could never contact us any of that um and he can't live in Montana for a certain amount of years um which is nice you know um Granted, I don't want to live in Montana <laughs> much longer, so it's it kind of feels like he has 49 states and I have one, um, mm. but it's something, and a lot of survivors get nothing, so I'm trying to be grateful for the justice that I did get and the justice that Stevie did get. Um, you know, I felt really bad at the time. He only pled guilty to one count of felony endangerment, and... It didn't um, involve Stevie, and I felt a lot of guilt about that for a long time. Like, why does he have to plead guilty to hurting me and not her? Because he did hurt her too, and right. it was it didn't feel fair to me. Um, I was really angry about that. I was more angry about the fact that he didn't have to like plead guilty to something on her more than I was angry about anything else in the case. Um, Because I just felt like it was such a miscarriage of justice that he didn't have to do that. Because I know that he hurt her too. I don't have any doubts in my mind that he was just a big of a piece of shit to her as he was to me. And the women before both of you too. I mean, he's a serial abuser, right? And that was the reason why I... um, wanted to press charges too is because I found out that he was living with a girl that used to be my friend and I was scared for her like yeah you know I I felt really bad for her she just you know didn't have the best judgment and character and I felt like she was probably a really easy victim for him and I felt like, you know, this girl is going to be the next one, you know, and I know 
shit progressed with me and it'll progress more with her. And if I can do something to protect her, like, I want to do that. You know, I, I mean, Stevie, Stevie did that for me and I didn't listen. You know, I was young and naive and thought the world of Adam and this girl is a bit older and, you know, she made the same mistakes that I did where she didn't, I don't think she still believes either of us. And, you know, that's her choice and she can do with her life what she wants. But, you know, in my mind, I was like, if I can prevent what happened to me from happening to somebody else, like I'm going to do everything in my power to do that because nobody deserves to be treated the way that he treats women. And Bella, I just want to say too, like I'm I'm hearing these themes of like maybe a little bit of guilt of like, ah, uh, you know, these other women didn't get the justice that they deserved. And I'm trying really hard to keep this from happening to anyone else. And well, A, that is just a lot of weight to carry. And B, you know, I want to offer maybe just a tiny bit of an alternative perspective that no, those other people didn't get to have the same day in court that you did and get to have the same experience of hearing him, like, you know, the truth squeezed out of him by the justice system. But but you did provide an opportunity for other people to even peripherally, like, get some sense of justice or validation, like, okay, this I'm I'm also not crazy. If there are these other people who are seeking justice, if if there's this one moment where he's being forced to admit even a, one thing that he's done, it also helps validate their experiences too. Um and I'm with you. Like fuck the justice system in a lot of ways, right? Like they you know, he should be pinned to the wall for all of the things that he's done, but how brave of you and just gosh, like I I just, in some small way, want to help maybe bring an alternative perspective to the guilt you're feeling, because I think a lot of survivors out there would see what you've done and feel very grateful. Thank you. That means a lot. You know, it is hard because I do carry a lot of of guilt. Um, you know, I, I blame myself for a lot of things that aren't my fault, and mm. I still carry a lot of things that Adam has said to me on my shoulders that I'm trying my hardest to let go of. And it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard. It's to let go of the feelings that somebody made you have for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I still call it my Adam voice. He's still slowly getting smaller, but he's still there. And you know, there, there's a lot of times where I'll, I'll just like really beat myself up about it and be like, oh, if I had just done this one thing differently, maybe it would have had a different outcome. Or maybe if I had done or said something else, like, and it, it's just hard because like, what ifs will always eat you alive. A hundred percent. You know, he got a really good lawyer and... That woman, I will say, is the fucking devil. Um, am I allowed to say that? I don't know if I. Am, oh, she's but... the fucking devil. I was also at. <laughs> I was also there for a sentencing hearing, and she is a terrible human. My God. I feel so bad wow. for her own self because if I have this guilt 
I can't imagine the shit that she carries around on her shoulders. As or if she that. doesn't, that's even scarier. Where it's like, oh my god, and what her is happening? Alone just from the hairspray weight she has on her. <laughs> um, I probably she did remind me a little bit of Mrs. Trenchbull or Miss Trenchbull from. I feel like that's kind of almost a compliment, though. Yeah, I can think of a lot worse things to call her. But oh, it was. Um, it was intense. I, yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, I feel bad for Adam's family because they sacrificed a lot to pay for a really good lawyer. Um, because, you know, I saw a quote a while back that said something along the lines of, like, abusers will manipulate their loved ones or, like, their partners, but their family and friends are the biggest victims. Mm-hmm. Um And that really resonated with me because I was like, yeah, like his mom will go to her grave saying that we're all crazy bitches and that Adam is a saint, even though one of the first things she asked me was if he was verbally abusive or if he actually hit me because she's known him to do that in the past. And Right, so she has to live with... She has to live with the fact that she knows who her son is. Um, And, you know, she raised that son. Like, I have no doubt in my mind if she had tried to get him the help that he so desperately needed when he was younger, he would not be the human that he is today. But from a very young age, she treated him like he could do no wrong. And that's the way he carried through his life, Um, which I think is a very common thread with most abusers. Um, But, and, you know, he still has a very very few friends in Bozeman that will support him. And I try to avoid those people and not interact with them. But every once in a while I see them out and it's hard because I don't feel comfortable around them. I feel like they're going to, you know, report back to Adam on what they see or hear whatever. But I've, I've realized, you know, he's not in the same state as me. He can't do anything. He can't contact me and they can't do anything either. Like what's the worst that they're going to do to me? Say something mean? Like I've heard it all. (laughs) Like, and it, it's just trying to, you know, restart my life and do things the way that I want to do them instead of trying to worry about what people will think or say. I don't know. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm rambling. No, no, no. It's like a whole new chapter of like redefining yourself. And I, you know, I feel like that's kind of, we've talked about that before, even in the last episode that you were on, but also like it, the journey didn't end, right? Like the trauma wasn't over. And so like now really is the first, I mean, before kind of, but now really is the first time that you've had this space to like, like, yeah. yeah, and just like figure out like who you are and what you want. And, um, and I would, I would love to know like just more about what does your now look like? Um, yeah. So I have a pretty kick-ass life now. Um, you know, it was hard when Adam was arrested, but it was a really good point for me to be like, all right, like, there's nothing holding me back now. There's, I have no excuses. Like, 
it's time to grind. It's time to get your shit together. Um, and I did, you know, I have a fucking awesome job. I'm a head chef at one of the most high end restaurants in Bozeman now. Um, I'm my own boss. I make amazing desserts, which is something that I used to do before I knew Adam and when I knew Adam and I stopped because he didn't like the fact that I was good at something and now I don't have And that. like you're really good. Like I just have to say like you're really fucking good. The pictures of your desserts, I'm like, oh my god <laughs> in my mouth now, please. <laughs> yeah, and it's you no, know, it's a fucking career. Like I'm at the top of my field for my town and I'm twenty one years old. Like right. I am killing it career wise. I am self supporting myself. I'm making bank. I'm I'm just killing it. Like in that, Get this girl like, on Great British Baking Show. Seriously, I'm not British, but I can do it. She would win. She would win. <laughs> um, you know, and I have an amazing boyfriend. He is a fucking angel. Like, he is the best person. He is so supportive. He is so kind. He is everything that I always wanted in a person and more. Like, I could not have found a better human out there. Um, and I have watched him be your good friend for a very long time. And yeah. you guys have something like really, truly special. The friendship that you have above anything else is just like, so wonderful and supportive. Thanks. Yeah, seriously. It's you know, it is great. It's like my friends love him. My parents love him. He supports me. He, you know, when I have bad days, he's like, what can I do to help you? When I'm having good days, he's like, what can I do to help you? Like there's never a time when he is not supporting me and being just the best human he could possibly be. He makes me want to be a better human for him and for myself. Like my dog loves him. They're like best friends. We just celebrated Charlie's fourth birthday and we threw him a princess themed party and Jake decorated the entire house. Like, hung up posters, hung up streamers, like, wore party hats. Like, he is the perfect person for me in every aspect. And it's still hard for me, like, being in a relationship with somebody that's a good person is new. Um, It's hard going from Adam to this because it's like, he'll, like, get me a little present or something. And I'll be like, oh, my God, what did you do? Like, what happened? What am I going to hear about in the next few days? And it's nothing. Like, he got me a gift because he saw something and he knew I would like it. And he loves me. And, you know, it's it's just stuff like that that it's it's a learning curve to learn how to be loved again. Um, well, when you go from, like, 15 years old to 20 years old with, with yeah. a horribly abusive person, that's a, that's a lot of programming to undo. It is. It's it's hard um but he is so patient and you know I never I always like would tell myself like after Adam I'd be like oh I'm just gonna be alone forever because I don't trust myself and you know Jake makes me trust myself and makes me like realize that there are good people out there and I think mm -hmm. when you go from being in a really abusive relationship 
it's really hard to trust anybody, let alone an intimate partner. It's like you're looking at the world like everybody has a secret. Everybody does bad things. And that's not the way the world is. And I'm so grateful for him to like make me have faith in society again. <laughs> like, right. honestly. And, you know, I have such a good relationship with my parents now, too. And that was something that was always really strained. Um, even my sister, like, I'll text her and I'll be like, hey, like, check out these dog cookies. And she'll text me back and actually talk to me, which is something that I never thought would happen after Adam. Um, and that's been one of the biggest gifts is, like, the fact that my family is willing to have a relationship with me again. Um Oh, not that they're willing, Bella. They love they they want to, you. you know, they feel like I'm yeah, a safe person to be have. around again. Not because I was unsafe, but because I had somebody right. that was unsafe in my life that they were scared right. of. Right. And I knew that was a big thing for my sister. My sister was terrified of Adam. Like sorry, I'm getting well, emotional. Um, no, that's okay. But and Adam wedged himself in between you and your on purpose to try and take you away from them yeah and like my sister I've always worked with my sister I loved her so much and Autumn did his absolute best to ruin that relationship I had with her and he he really successfully did like for a long time we didn't have a relationship and you know slowly we're rebuilding that relationship and that has been one of the greatest blessings that I have because I love my family and the fact that, you know, they never stopped loving me and I know that, but they're able to feel safe being a part of my life again has meant like so much to me because I didn't realize, you know, how completely isolated I was until I left. And then I realized how many relationships that I really had damaged by being in a relationship with Adam um and I and that's something that I'm trying not to blame myself for also um because it's hard not to um right right but it's still the reality is those relationships were lost I mean it was his fault like he 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 got in between you guys but at the end of the day those people were still gone you know yeah, and now you're rekindling that yeah and I know like my friends and my family they never stop loving me and never stop wanting the best for me but the bottom line is Adam was a really scary person yeah. and it's a lot of domestic abuse cases. The abusers hurt the people that they love because that's how you hurt them. Um, and it's realistic for, you know, my friends and family to be scared that something would happen to them by having a relationship with me. And I, I don't resent anybody or have any, anger towards somebody that didn't want to be in my life at that point of my journey because I was with Adam I understand it um if I had a friend now that was in an abusive relationship I don't think personally I would be able to be friends with them you know I'd love them and try to help them as much as I could but I I know what it's like I wouldn't want to be around it either and you know when you're 16 17 and suddenly your parents don't want to be around you and your sister doesn't want to be around you like it feels validating for your ex when your abuser's telling you that they don't love you. You believe that. Um, and the reality is that those people don't not love you. They're just trying to protect themselves and protect you the best they can. Um, and it's been something I'm 
really thankful for that I have those relationships again and that my family is still there for me. My friends are still there for me. And I couldn't be more thankful that I'm making the progress with those people that I am to try to rebuild those friendships and relationships. Yeah. And that, that's, that's part of the journey too, right? Like it's, uh, it's like you, I like the word you're using rebuilding and it's, um, it's step by step and, you know, it's, it's moment by moment and it's those moments of connection that help rebuild a sense of trust and, and, and closeness. Um, but I've met all your family. They're absolutely freaking amazing. They really are. Um, and I'm just really happy for you that that is, you know, maybe something you didn't quite anticipate, but is definitely happening. For yeah. You. It's so amazing. And so, Bella, I wanted to ask you too, um, like, I this is something that I had asked you in the last, the last podcast episode, I think, but like, I do want to about what like healing looks like for you right now on kind of a day-to-day basis so obviously these amazing relationships charlie's your dog is amazing like getting a badass job but are there specific things that you're doing right now that just like kind of help you feel you know like you're working towards healing yeah so recently i went back on to medication um and that was a really hard decision to make um but the fact that I reached out for help and got help and I'm feeling so much better now um that was a big step for me and my healing process is just realizing that you know sometimes medication isn't the worst thing sometimes it can really help you you know take away some of that anxiety that you have some of that depression and guilt that you have um I'm still writing a lot you know writing was something that was really hard for me for a long time. There was a time I used to journal every day and I had a journal that I had been journaling in for almost four years at a point. And I went to Target one day when I was with Adam and he went through my drawers and found my journal and read some of it and didn't like what he had read. Um, And he ripped out every single page and ripped it up. And after that, I stopped writing completely. Um, I didn't feel comfortable to write. I felt like if I had written something that somebody would find it and read it and judge me for it. Um, And within the past year, I've started writing again, and that's helped me a lot. Um, I actually write letters to Adam sometimes, and... That's helped me a lot because I know that I'm never going to talk to him again, that he's never going to be a part of my life again, but it doesn't change the fact that he was my life for five years. Um, And there's sometimes, you know, there's a lot of things that I want to say and I don't want to talk to him. There's never been a time that I have wanted to reach out or anything like that but instead of keeping all of those feelings pent up inside of me I've started writing them down and that's helped me a lot um for almost a year up until last March I slept with my wedding ring under my pillow and 
it's like, wow, this is really unhealthy. Like, even when he was in jail, I was still sleeping with it. And I don't know why I was, but um, I went on a vacation in March and I threw my wedding ring off the pier into the ocean. (laughs) That's so awesome. It was just this feeling of like letting go. Um, And there are certain objects that do hold special significance just because you were holding onto the ring it doesn't mean that you were like in love or pining it's just like that meant something you know there's 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 just these feelings that are you know I'm I'm a strong believer in like if you love somebody love doesn't go away and I still really firmly believe that like as much as I hate the things that Adam has done for me to me and has done to other people has done to himself I don't hate him I still have love for him I hope that someday he'll be a better person I don't think that will ever happen you know as much as an optimist I am I'm still a realist and I don't think that people change who are like that um uh, a friend of ours passed away recently um and he was a really good friend to me. He always was. Um, but he was a friend of Adam's before all of this happened. They were really good friends up until Adam was arrested and then they stopped being friends. Um, but he just like had a heart attack and died. And wow. when I found out that he had passed away, I I was heartbroken. Like it was really, really hard for me. But one of my first thoughts was like, I hope that somebody tells Adam and I hope that he's okay. And as, you know, naive or stupid or whatever those feelings are, you know, I don't think I tried like the hating him, the resentment, the anger, and all that did was make me hate myself for hating him and trying to let go of the anger because, you know, me sitting here and being like, fuck him, he sucks, isn't hurting him. It's just hurting myself. And, you know, if you do have those feelings, those feelings are completely valid. But for me, holding on to anger wasn't working. And, you know, I kind of let go of it. And, you know, when our friend passed away, I kind of like sat down and I sent like mental love to him in a way that was like, I hope that you can find peace with this. I never reached out to him. I have no intention of reaching out to him. But in my heart, you know, I hope that he's not hurting. And that's hard for me because, you know, it feels really conflicting sometimes to be like, why don't you hate this person? Why aren't you more angry? Why aren't you, you know, screaming his name and saying how much of a horrible human he is? But I tried that for a little bit and all it did was make me angry at myself um and so I think that's been a big process of my healing is just like letting go of anger and letting go of like my own expectations of how I should feel um I think everybody heals differently and for me forgiving him was a huge thing um I I do forgive him I think that I still have a lot of anger towards the things that he did to me like he took away my, like, some of the the best years of my life he took away from me. He, you know, he raped me, he hit me, he violated me, and mentally 
tried his best to break me down into a shell of a person. And all of those things are really horrible things for anybody to go through. But the best thing that can come out of it is for me to love myself and to not have anger in my heart and to just try to move on and better my own self and you know forgive myself forgive him and forgiving him has led to forgiving myself more I feel like like if I can forgive him for all of those things then I should be able to forgive myself right like extend the same courtesy and love to yourself you know that's what I've been trying to do you know just and all those things Bella that he like tried to do he didn't do he didn't succeed you are strong and badass and magical and wonderful and kind and I actually just um, had a podcast recording earlier with a different guest and I don't know exactly what order these episodes are going to come out in but what she said was that people like you you know there are a lot of survivors who like get knocked down and they get up again um, and they and they continue to try and have empathetic and loving hearts. Like that's magic. Like you are a special kind of person who can do that. And I think it's really um, it's it's kind of heartbreaking, but it's really beautiful too. Yeah. And you know, I sometimes I feel like I'll I'll be talking to somebody. I've had like a few different people who I like will meet, and they'll be like, wait are you like Bella are you like Bella like I've listened to your podcast oh my god wow <laughs> wow hi like you know so many personal things about me and I've never met right. you before but it's also like so cool and a lot of things they say are like oh my god I fucking hate that guy like I listen to your podcast I hate him like what a piece of shit and I'm always kind of like yeah <laughs> like sure like right. I don't and they'll try to like kind of almost get me to engage in it like like don't you hate him so much and I, I've learned to just be like yep and like not really talk about it because I feel like the few times where I've tried to explain like no I, I, I don't hate him like he is a very damaged person who has done a lot of horrible things and I hate the things that he has done but it doesn't help me to hate him and a lot of people I feel like don't understand it and kind of are like, well, you should hate him. Like, you know, you should hate him. Right. And I'm like, well, yeah, duh. I know I should hate him. Like that's, that's the logical thing to do, but healing is. Well, and you've been there, done that. It's not like you haven't had those feelings before, but there's a bigger piece that you're experiencing. You know, I feel like if I hold on to that hatred, I'm holding on to him. And if I'm forgiving him, I'm letting him go. And like, if I'm, being like you know what like I don't hate you you don't have an effect over me anymore like I still have love for you I still hope that you'll succeed that's it yeah I think it it also like speaks to this bigger piece of like how obsessed we are with policing each other in every way but also like telling people how they should heal you should forgive you shouldn't forgive you should be mad you shouldn't be mad it's like oh my god can we all just let everyone do what they need to do yeah Yeah. and I'm like in no way saying that everybody should forgive their survivors like or their abusers like if you feel like it helps you to feel better to hate them with your whole being then like fucking hate them that person probably 100% does deserve to be hated on like 
But for me, it wasn't working. For me, it was making me spiral into a person that I don't want to be. Um, and I really appreciate that language. Like you speak so articulately to that process that you went through. And I think that's really insightful language. Ah, oh, Bella, you're so great. So <laughs> wise beyond your years. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Little, little Buddha, Bella. <laughs> I'm trying. But ser- seriously, you're awesome. And I, um, I really do, again, just so appreciate your willingness to like come do this check-in because it's a lot, you know, to have to like revisit. Yeah, no, I'm like so excited to do it. You know, honestly, like doing the last podcast was what made me decide to take the steps that I did take in getting justice for myself and getting safety for myself. And doing this podcast kind of was what started that journey for me. Um, And I'm so thankful for both you and Stevie. You guys are fucking rocks in my life. And I appreciate you both like so much. I like Stevie, especially like I will never have words to describe like how much Stevie has impacted my life and helped me. Like there are no words to describe how fucking amazing she is and you too and you're both are just like boss ass bitches oh I feel that so like I'm getting emotional too too now I but I I I really agree with you I think there's so many people who have utilized we are her and it's an amazing resource the podcast and all of the other resources that we are her has and Stevie's always the one to be like no no like everyone else like no no you no, exactly she's like oh it's it everyone so I'm like no people. bitch it's you like oh it's you you are you did this <laughs> oh I love shouting it out right now and like for anyone who is listening she's like also listening to this episode on mute and probably like squirming right now which makes me so happy <laughs> um uh, okay well Bella like you gosh I just you're so amazing. And I ugh, like I'm at a loss for words a little bit. I just um, I do want to offer like one last opportunity. Like if there's anything else you want to say before you wrap up, like, please, please do. Trust your gut. Men don't be teenagers. Uh, um, do what you need to do to heal. Don't listen to other people. You know yourself better than anyone else. Is that good? I don't know. Oh, God, that's so good. I'm like, yes, in my mind. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Also, men don't date teenagers. It's fucked up. Men, grown-ass men do not date teenagers. That is very true. Um, uh, Thank you. You're amazing. I love you guys. Love you too. Okay. I think I'm just like feeling all the feelings, so I'm going to wrap this episode up and stop recording before I like burst into tears. You have a reason to cry. I'm just like the host here, cracking, cracking open. Um, okay, we're gonna stop recording and I love you. I love you. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and don't forget to check out our online community at weareher.net. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse or assault, you can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233.